0: Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college half of our flagship pod here at Campus to Canton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Oh, it just feels so right, Colin. Finally, after weeks and weeks and weeks of you being gone and me uh, holding down this show and then pretending like Canton Bound still existed, we are once again reunited. What's uh, what's going on? Well, we, we could
1: have been reunited last uh, week for Canton Bound, but you decided not to do that. So Matt and I helped it. I did not decide not to do mm-hmm. it for the
0: record, mm-hmm. folks. I was on a different show a tantrum within the campus to Canton family. I was on Better Sports recording that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. can't do both. It can't can't be two places one time, Colin. Uh-huh. You, you figure that out for me and then I'll I'll show up for both.
1: Okay. Well, I mean, you know, there's more than
0: one hour in a day, so When would you suggest that we record this show if I'm recording that show from 9 to 10? And we have a weekly meeting from 8 to 9.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, Matt and I recorded it at like 5. 5 o'clock. 5 o'clock? Literally the only options you ever
0: give me. I See, I thought this was going to be a good homecoming. Literally the only (laughs) options you ever give me are like 1.30 in the afternoon or 10.30 at night. And Matt gets (laughs) 5. Those are my yeah. two options every single time. And I have to pick one. So it's either yeah. be fired or be dead tired in the morning.
1: Yeah. No, it's the five o'clock happened to work this time.
0: For so a show it. that I don't even enjoy doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You are literally like, go get married again. <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> go find some amazing guests um, to, to fill your shoes. Which, by the way, those we didn't tell anybody ahead of time. Those were all auditions. And So I'm gonna just pin up the the results in the hallway after after thing here, Colin. Maybe maybe you made the cut. Maybe you did not. We'll, we'll have mm-hmm. to see.
1: I'll be interested to see if if I made the cut. I mean, those were some good guests. There were good shows. I did listen. Um, like I said, in the, you know in the Discord and in uh, in our Slack chat, I, I did mention that I was on the beach doing a little bit of C2C work, listening to the pods while my new wife was reading. Um, so I did listen. You did C2C work on the beach? hmm Oh, man. I was working on that article, which should be done which this still week. Isn't done. Should be done this week. The last things I have to do are put in the uh, the stats uh, for each player. Yeah. So that should be done probably like today or tomorrow. Put it up for editing. Hopefully it's dropping like Wednesday, Thursday.
0: Colin's yearly article. Check yep. out campusdecanton.com to catch yep. that this week. And now that you said that on the show, you mm-hmm. have to do it. I do. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, don't even bother showing up to this show next week. You, <laughs> watch I'm not on the show next week. Ah, poop. I'll, I'll record on vacation. I don't care. I'm going to just flame you the entire show. So my <laughs> family will love that. Cool. They will. Cool. All right. Well, enough about us, Colin. Um, and I heard enough about your trip when you were talking to Matt last week on camp I, I don't need you to tell me more. About it, I've seen some nice well, pictures. I was at the ceremony, which, by the way, mm-hmm. Campus to Canton got some some advertising during the ceremony. So did. Um, I'm not paying that bill that you sent me for it, <laughs> but we did get shout. We got a shout out from the guy. I don't want to go. He's not a priest. Just the efficient.
1: Yeah, uh, it's her. It was work. it was my my wife's brother. It,
0: that guy has that has a, a new name now. By the way, it's her brother-in-law.
1: My brother-in-law. Yeah, there you go. Good job, buddy. You'll get used to this. You'll get used to this. It's all- uh, yeah, I guess I got to figure it out. It's so, right. um, The only thing I wanted to talk to you about about my trip was what we oh, no. ate. Oh, okay. Uh, the one okay. time. Because I talked uh, in, our, in our one chat that we have. Yeah. I was talking about everything we did. And I was like, you would never believe some of the things that I ate. We did uh, a tasting <laughs> the one night. It was a six course. It was supposed to be four course. It was really like, more like six um I won't go over all of it but one of the things the thing that I think will surprise you the most was uh trout tartar in a worry. mango passion fruit sauce topped with like little very thinly sliced radish circles and on top of that was what they call lemon caviar which is a fruit that only grows in Costa Rica and New Zealand apparently uh, so is, that's a very up. odd pairing. It oh, is. Only New Zealand and Costa Rica. Okay. Yeah. That's what that's what the guy told us. That's what our, our waiter and our – we also had a sommelier and stuff like that. That's Whoa, what they told us. Fancy. But um, you crack it open, and it looks like caviar, like yellow caviar, but you bite it, and it pops, and it tastes like lemon. Oh, cool. Yeah.
0: Man, you ate that? You ate raw fish? Uh-huh. uh-huh. Wow. I did.
1: I you're did. probably just uh, finding
0: out that's actually what tartare is. Now you're just sick. Well, the, so the, of
1: menu, the menu said trout. It didn't say that it was trout tartare. It didn't say raw. It just said trout.
0: I'm wondering if I someone will tweet this at us. <laughs> we get <laughs> some really good responses. I don't Can you say, like, was it It was completely raw, the trout? Because I know some fish like that will call it tartare, but, like, technically you have to, like, smoke it uh, or,
1: like, you know, do, like, some sort of small preparation to it. In order it, to it. it looked raw. Okay. Okay. I've never eaten raw fish before. I'm not a sushi guy, Um, but yeah, I had that. Uh, And then my main course was uh, uh, a mahi mahi with a sesame and ginger coleslaw on top. Wow.
0: That's these are sentences I never would have thought. Uh You, You were really, you know, I was skeptical, Colin. Mm-hmm. I was skeptical through the ceremony, but it sounds like Becca has done some good <laughs> for you. So you know what this this is good stuff. This is this is this is great. This these are Thank the you. success stories that we like to hear here yeah? on the Campus Camp Podcast. Yeah. And do you know what we had
1: tonight? <laughs> what Greek chicken? Uh, we had chicken Greek peppers. no Greek chicken like pita wraps. So it was um, chicken that we marinated in Greek dressing um cucumbers tomatoes i picked the olives out i didn't eat the olives but not the cucumbers or tomatoes nope not the cucumbers or the tomatoes red peppers man this is a new guy (laughs) it is is yeah guy oh and you didn't get sunburned at least it doesn't look like it so uh no the so the i I wore spf 70 and it just slathered it on the whole time um because the uv was extreme you strike me as one of those guys that wears a shirt when they're in the water too no, None? I don't wear a shirt in okay. the water. No, Only if, if if I'm if I'm sunburned, if I got sunburned earlier in the vacation, then I will. Okay,
0: all right, all right. very
1: nice. Well, good.
0: I'm glad to hear that it was a good trip, and uh, we didn't miss you at all. But
1: nah, I I didn't figure. But I, I wanted to save the things that I ate to say on the show to see get your live reaction.
0: I'm I'm glad because you did you did mention. I think the word you used <laughs> was shocking. So yeah, um, and that was that was. Shocking, I, I'm not going to mm-hmm. lie. So I'll have, have to text Becca about that. Um, <laughs> on tonight's show, guys, today's show, this morning's show, whenever you're listening to the show. We record it at night, but you guys do you. We're going to talk a couple different things. We're talking some ADP steals. You know, June is here. We've got some good data going, so we can tell you which players are just going way too low at this point. And we're going to talk about what players... If we're, the year one zero theory we're going to explain it when we get there but we're going to talk about which receivers in this year's class we think have the potential to be zeros which is bad for their devy outlook after year one so we're going to talk about that and of course two new freshman profiles let's start with those steals though colin and chris moxley recently wrote an article over at campus about players who are being selected way too high and Every year, that's true. We have a big group of players that basically everyone is just they whatever rankings they're using were the ones from last year, or they're just put it's like names that they're familiar with, and they've run out of names, so they're just going to go grab you know DJU in the seventh, or that that was last year, or you know guys like that. So there's always a a big block of these players that you kind of want to sit there when you're in one of these mocks with people and be like, "Mm hmm. I don't think you want to do that. That's probably not the best value, but we don't. The only time we interrupted it, we are like, oh, he's not in college anymore, or like, oh, he... Like, I was in one recently, and someone took Lorenzo Styles, and I was like, can you repick? Like, he's not a wide receiver anymore. We're trying to get him out of the system. But we don't say anything, so let it ride. Yeah, just let him do it. So go check out his article. It's I believe it's called, Please Stop Drafting These Players in C2C Leagues. We're going to do the opposite here tonight. We're going to talk about some players that we think are... Just way too cheap. And I already, we, we each wrote down a handful of answers here and then we can talk about some more, Colin, because I think the list is fairly extensive. Uh, it's a good discussion topic. I see a theme in the players that we put down here. So I think we're going to have a, a broader discussion about how to value CFF play- only, in air quotes, players in a C2C startup. So that, that'll that be a, 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 a additional little discussion we had tonight. But why don't you go ahead, kick us off here, Colin. Um so players there, you start with one. Give me one player that you think is just way too low right now, according to our ADP.
1: Uh, so I, I want to start before I dive into the, like the actual players. I just want to mention, because I've talked about these players before, but I think their ADP is still too low. Um, Donovan Smith is going as the 246th player off the board. Um, I think that's, that's way too late. Uh, and J- Jordan Curley, the wide receiver for SMU, has no ADP. So... Uh, both of those players, I think, are going too low as well. But I've talked about them before, so I won't dive in too deep on that. The first player I'll talk about here is. Oh, can, I, can I
0: can I jump in real quick? I, I actually disagree on Donovan Smith. I think that's an, a, a perfect spot for him. Right. I think well, I'm, the, I'm much higher on him. the so the The bull case for him, which is like you know the the good outcome, the bull case, is pretty high in in Houston's offense. Mm-hmm. but the bear case is so bad. Like the bear case is he just does exactly what he did the past two years at Texas Tech and gets benched again. Like I, I think that's – he's QB 52 in our ADP. I think that that value – like I think I have him early 40s in my ranking. So according to my rankings, he's slightly low. But I think depending on how you're drafting and what you're valuing, I still think that's within like the acceptable range of where he should be going. So I will fight you a little bit on Donovan Smith. I think that's fairly appropriate. And I don't know that I could argue it a ton, really. But you seem to, like, how how many more picks above 246 do you think you should go? Like, what
1: range are we talking? I have him as my QB 27.
0: Yeah, that's just, that's, I'm hesitant. I've already burned myself multiple times on this in the show. (laughs) And then you made fun of me for it last week, on Canton Bound last week. So I'm not going to do that, but I, it's, 27 is really rich. Is really rich. It either is a de- a re- legitimate debut player or like a high high end CFF asset. I'm not sure. I see poor Kalonos does either of those. I'm Not sure. Why not both? He's um, interesting. I mean, he's big and athletic. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. He's got a nice arm, but yeah, uh, I big think the, athletic. He's got, got a nice arm. Final points Holt. of the position hurt. And here are the other things that hurt. If people want to start, and I'm not you, uh, you didn't did not even breathe this name. So I'm not saying this is you but i think now that anthony richardson did it basically everybody's going to look like just the biggest most athletic quarterback they can find and say well anthony richardson did it why can't this guy and i think the differences that we have to acknowledge right off the bat with anthony richardson are that a anthony richardson is without a doubt the most athletic quarterback we've ever seen pound for pound he was actually QB7 in his own class. This was not a guy that was a deep dive that came out of nowhere. And he played Despite a Florida Felix in the SEC. <laughs> and he played a Florida in the SEC. Yeah, Felix will tell you he's only shooting from deep. QB7 yeah. in his own class. Okay, <laughs> but, um, so Donovan Smith is decidedly not. Well, I mean, he's, he's athletic, but he's not Anthony Richardson as an mm-hmm. athlete. He's not at a power program. I know Houston's moving up, but he's not at a big program in the SEC. And he was not that highly rated as a recruit. That's how he ended
1: up at Texas Tech as an athlete. So
0: I, I think Texas like guys, Tech was
1: actually the only Power Five offer that he had. And he is from like, like twenty he's from like twenty minutes away from there.
0: Didn't his like dad work there or something? Maybe I don't I don't want to that might not be true. I thought I knew yeah. that. Uh, so that, that's, that's entirely wrong, possible. Sorry, but he
1: live he grew up twenty minutes away from from Lubbock. So. so
0: you'll you'll hear guys use that line now for like him, for Calen Green, for um I'm trying to think there's KJ like, Jefferson for KJ Jefferson for all these guys. And Jefferson at least has a little bit more of an argument, although I think there are some other issues there. But um yeah, like I, I just think like that argument to me, I think needs addressed before you just say, Well, why not? And you know, an Anthony Richard thing,
1: you know. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you on the on that all of that take, that's not what I'm saying about Donovan Smith. And sure. I know that's you're not trying to say that that's yes. what I was saying. Sure. My thing with Donovan Smith is um, he's he's got really good size. He's got a good arm. We've seen him look good in moments and in flashes, and in other times he looked bad. I don't think the offense last year was a good fit for him. He's not an air raid type quarterback. Like he did not fit well in the Zach Hitley system, but I think he does fit well in Dana Holgerson's system. Um, Dana Holgerson will challenge deep a little bit more. Uh, he'll use his quarterback in the run game a little bit more. I mean, we saw Clayton Toon have some nice rushing stats last year and, you know, Clayton Tune is a pretty athletic quarterback. I think Donovan Smith is very much on par athleticism wise with, with Clayton Toon, maybe even slightly better. Um, and like I said, Houston is moving up into the power five. So they will be in the big 12. So it's not like he's going to be from a G five school. I believe he has two years left if he wants it um hmm. it's yeah, hard to say with see exactly how year. many years he's
0: or how many games he's played in given years because there, yeah. there might be a third year in there i haven't looked at him depending on
1: yeah that. um he got, in, but, he got injured his first year yeah so so he has a, i think he has another year yeah that sounds right um but yeah so i, I there's a lot of reasons why i like donovan smith and i think he has some debbie potential i think he has a very high um cff ceiling because he's in that Dana Holgerson system who we have seen put up prolific numbers, um, from, from multiple quarterbacks in that system. So, uh, I am much higher on Donovan Smith than you are. So I would feel comfortable taking him and, and it depends on my roster construction. Like when I attack quarterback as to when mm-hmm. I would move to a guy like Donovan Smith, if I end up with, you know, two, guys at the top like if I end up with like a Quinn Ewers and a Jackson Arnold or something like that two guys at the top then I'm less likely to take Donovan Smith
0: that QB room gives me an ulcer just from
1: talking about it
0: (laughs) there's a chance that not none of those three quarterbacks are like okay for you this year at all and I like Ewers and I like Arnold long term but I that just saying those three in a, in a grouping just like made my stomach just drop a little bit. Oh, uh,
1: I wouldn't, but that, if I have that combo, I'm in trouble. Uh, but Donovan Smith, I mean, I'd honestly, I would start to consider him rounds 12 to 15 ish. Okay.
0: okay. Yeah, that's a little rich for me. I'm thinking probably 20 ish. So, which is, okay. you know, right about where he's getting taken. So, yeah. Um, okay. Overall, not, I, I, but, okay, sorry. I did Fair not enough. mean to cut you off. That's no, just, no,
1: you're good. I think that was a good discussion. I was deeper birthed, than I intended asides. to go. What's that? It birthed two different asides too, which I yes. you know is always <laughs> great on this show. Yeah, it was definitely deeper than I intended to go, because I was like, I've already talked about Donovan Smith before, just kind of want to gloss over it and mention he's still too cheap, in my opinion. Uh, but the player that I actually wrote down to discuss is Joshua Cephas, the wide receiver from UTSA. Uh, and so the reason I put Joshua Cephas down here is we all know that that UTSA offense was, was prolific last year, passing the ball. Um, you know, Frank Harris threw for over 4,000 yards, 32 touchdowns, they spread the ball, uh, con- they concentrated the ball between three guys, Zakari Franklin, DeCorian Clark and Joshua Cephas all caught over 50 passes over 700 yards. Um, Cephas had 87 catches, 985 yards, six touchdowns. Um, he also had a, a rushing touchdown, which is a little weird. But with UTSA brings back uh, Frank Clark or Frank Harris a quarterback. DeCorian Clark is also coming back, but he injured his knee at the end of last year, and I think now we have confirmation that it was an ACL. So I would be surprised if Dorian Clark is ready to start the year. Uh, it's been very much mum out of UTSA as far as his status, but given what we know, given how, when he injured it, given, um, you know, how long it can take ACLs to recover. I would be surprised if he's ready at the beginning of the year. And then Zachary Franklin just transferred to Ole Miss. Uh, we just found that out like today, yesterday. So that's all of a sudden a wide open wide receiver room. Joshua Cephas is the only one left. He was very productive last year. I think he could challenge for the wide receiver one in CFF this year. Um, given the, that offense and given everything that they, that has gone, uh, he is, I, he, I would consider him a, a wide receiver one for CFF. So I think he could challenge for the wide receiver one. And he is being currently drafted as the wide receiver 100. So that's the 283rd player off the board. I don't think there's much of a Debbie upside for him. I mean, I think he'll do well to get drafted in like the sixth, seventh round, to be honest. Um, I think that would be like his ceiling. But his CFF ceiling is so high, it would take him way before that.
0: I think now is a good opportunity to go into our theme that we're noticing here. Because my uh, the f- first name I wrote down here is Tori Horton. Is the wide receiver at Colorado state and Colin, I agree with you um, that Cephas is going too cheaply because the situation for the most part is a pretty easy read. Like it's not like you have to say, well, if this happens and then this happens and this guy, you know, this guy gets hurt. Like it's, it's a new offensive coordinator, but I don't think that really matters that much. They're going to run the same stuff. They're bringing back their 50 year old quarterback (laughs) there <laughs> like all the guys except for Franklin like it doesn't take it it doesn't take a genius to sit down and look and say like this is this is probably a winning spot and for him to be a wide receiver 100 just to give you what where he is wide receiver 63 in my rankings Colin where is he in your rankings and if you said you wide receiver is one position you haven't touched up yet
1: yeah wide receiver is the last position I have it's to touch biggest, up yet so. so it's yeah it's the biggest it's a bear to get through um so I have him too low in my rankings right now too so I will hand up and say that if you look at me, look at my rankings on the site, uh, he will be too low on there. He will be moving up pretty significantly for me. Well, as somebody who uh,
0: recently completely redid their rankings and they're like good to go here for the summer, and they'll obviously be updated. But you know, when you get the base done, and then it's just some shifting. Yeah, yeah. As news comes in, yeah, wide receiver sixty three for me horton who i wrote down as my first answer is going 172nd overall in wide receiver 66 i actually have tory horton as my wide receiver 35 because i think there could actually maybe potentially be some nfl potential there and quite frankly again this is a guy that just is kirby out there just not kirby smart like kirby like the little pink guy just yeah. the ball's in the air and he's <laughs> like just he's target 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 hog target hog um and so I think this we, this is a good time to talk about this, Colin, that the pure CFF guys that are extremely projectable into, you know, target share volume, the offense, the defenses that they're playing are way too cheap in startups right now. Yeah. If you have that locked in production, after you get past 20 to 30 guys in Devi, guess what? the question mark that you're taking there is probably not worth as much as the guy that's going to be, that's going to go out there and get you 300 points that you're receiving. And that's just the fact of the matter. Yeah. If you can find a wide receiver that is in one of these offenses, they are worth their weight in gold. That's why I have. Like, I don't here, here are some guys that I have that I would label quote unquote, CFF only as in, and when I'm drafting them, my only expectation from them is that they give me CFF points. If anything else happens beyond that, a la you know, Rishi Rice or Sky Moore, or whatever else, like, that's fine. That's not what I'm expecting to happen. Jacob Cowling, I have a wide receiver, 31. Squirrel White, 33. Corley, Malachi Corley at Western Kentucky, 34. Tori Horton at Colorado State, 35. I have, so that's like the, my top, top clump. I have those guys all together. Then not that far behind them. I have... Um uh, uh Decorian Clark at the other UTSA guy you talked about, Derwin Burgess at Georgia Southern, Sam Wigless at Ohio, Jordan Curley, Jamal Banks, Wake Forest, Alex Adams, Akron, Justin Lockhart, San Jose State. I have them all late 40s, early 50s. Like these, and then you know, the the next the next group of them, your guy is in there. Cephas, Cephas is in that collection. So I I just think that if you can get the slam dunk value. I know we talk about the mystery box all the time on the show but this isn't taking a mystery box over something we hate this is taking the thing that i know is probably going to happen barring injury over the mystery box you're, you're doing that 10 times out of 10. Why, colin you you've got to agree with this right
1: yeah absolutely so like i said i still have to tweak my my rankings here um but i do have squirrel white in the 30s um you know from my my rankings before Squirrel white in the 30s jake cowing in the 30s as well um Malachi Corley in the forties, Tori Horton in the forties. Um, yeah. Like Jamal banks at '50 in the fifties. Like, I, so I completely agree with you. I uh, very much value that high, high top end CFF production as well. You know, now I'm not talking about guys that we think are going to be good for CFF, but you know, there'll be like a wide receiver two or three, you know, like, these are like the high-end guys.
0: Yeah, but I've, I've got I've got those guys in like the late nineties. You know, you're, you're Ricky White's at UNLV, or you're Isaiah yeah. Williams at Illinois, or you know th- those kind of guys. Yeah, they go way further down. That that's acceptable.
1: Yeah. Um. You know. But but the it's like you said it's so projectable. We know exactly what we're getting. Like I'm taking these guys over guys like um, Jermaine Burton, who was a feature in. Uh, Chris's oh, article over on I the site. I have to mean Burton White wide receiver 117. <laughs> uh, I'm taking them over guys like Colby Young at Miami, who we don't really know, he's more of like a Debbie guy. I'd be surprised if he puts up too much CFF value this year. Um, over guys like Dominic Lovett, like those types of guys, like that, sure, they're they probably have a better NFL ceiling than those guys, than, than the CFF guys, but like realistically, what do you expect from? Don McLovick, Colby Young, Jermaine Burton in the NFL. You know, I I don't expect all that much.
0: I don't either. And I think like if you sat down with a good C2C player, and like I'm not I'm not sitting here and saying that you know the two of us are good C2C players. I play in enough league with you to know that you're not. Um, (laughs) I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. I was like, you could see the
1: smile on my face. Like (laughs) yeah, I was like, how is he gonna twist this one into an insult? Kudos.
0: If you, if you just sit down with, with somebody that you think, like, you know, if, if you've if you been in a league for a couple of years and you see one guy that's consistently does very, very well in that league and you sat down and you asked them, who would you rather have? Would you rather have Malachi Corley or uh, I'm trying to look for like a Devi guy I have in this range or Ja'Cory Brooks? They're going to take Malachi Corley because Corley's going to get you points today. And there is not that bad of a chance that Corley ends up getting very similar draft capital to what Ja'Cory Brooks gets in the NFL. Like that is just... there is not that much of a gap there in my opinion. Like I think some of these low end Debbie guys, like I I have all those guys, Jacob, J. J Michael Sturdavant,
1: or, or Malachi Corley. Um, that one's actually a tough one for me, probably Corley, but I do like Sturdivant. I do think Sturdivant's going to have a decent year this year for CFF purposes. Um, and I think he'll probably – he's like on the fringe of a day two type of a guy. He's like a day two, day three type wide receiver. I, when he I comes have them out, three, I think.
0: three spots apart, but I would just slam dunk Corley. Take that if somebody okay. offered me that trade. Or if okay, so it's, talk, it's really close. Sitting there. Um, uh, Malachi Corley or insert, insert tier two wide, like, you know, um, Cordell Dane Russell. Key. Oh, Dane key. I have them three spots apart as well, so that's <laughs> not really helpful. It's the other direction, but um, – <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's the, these are players that, you know, even a little more questionable. I think a lot of people would take a guy like um Bo Collins. Yeah. Like Bo Collins. I would rather have, I'd rather have Malachi Corley than Bo Collins, although that offense could be a little better this year. So that's, you know, that's tricky depending on how you want to navigate mm-hmm. that. But yeah, sure. I mean, they, it's, it's just a slam dunk and you'll find the players that consistently do well in your C2C leagues are probably valuing the CFF only guys. Like seriously, go look at past sub drafts. I can guarantee they're valuing the quote unquote CFF only guys significantly higher than you are. And they're probably kicking your ass doing it. <laughs> so, like, just, it's just a note. Like, and that we talk about this on the show all the time. Like, if you're just treating the C2s, the college side of a C2C as a Debbie pipeline, you are probably going to build a stinker of a roster within three years. I can almost, almost guarantee it. Almost.
1: You have to be really, really, really lucky <laughs> um, because so there was, just as an as an example of this, I took over an orphan I stripped down on um, the, the NFL side because there was like two or three pieces that were, there were any good and I got a whole bunch of Debbie pieces and this was like two years ago. The Debbie pieces that I got, Keishon Boutte Zach Evans, Rakeem Jarrett, Parker Washington Jaden Daniels Oof yeah, That sounds really good two years ago. Two yeah. years ago, that sounds great.
0: And if you've just started playing C2C, you're
1: like, what, though? How are you doing? They, yeah. These were legitimate <laughs> names at one point. Yeah. So, like, those were the types of guys that I got, and I got almost no NFL value out of them. I think I the, the crux of the trade, I traded Nick Chubb away, and I think it was Calvin Ridley um, that I got all of those pieces for those two guys. Calvin Ridley had, like, just gotten suspended. Um and Nick Chubb, you know, obviously it was Nick Chubb, but I wasn't competing anytime soon, so I got rid of him. And people wonder
0: why when one of my rules of trading for people that aren't necessarily firm on value between NFL and, and, mm-hmm. and college side is to never trade a stud NFL asset for just college players. Like that, that's mm-hmm. why. And that's not yeah. even making fun of Colin. Like those no, are all players that I liked very much as well. Yeah. But that's why you don't do that because at the end of the day, there's a legitimate chance that you, you know, get nothing. nothing and you just. <laughs> It, you got you. It's just awful. It's it, yeah. It, it, it hurts you a lot. Yeah, yeah. So these are why we, we preach some of these things, and like we've learned mm-hmm. by probably effing something up ourselves, and yeah. we're trying to have you not make the same exact mistake. Just
1: yeah, exactly. Yes,
0: this is the Rashad Penny, Jarek McKinnon trade all over. Yeah,
1: Colin <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and very
0: long time ago, in a home dynasty league. It was I Rashad Penny's rookie year. Yeah. I had Jarek McKinnon on my team. <laughs> you were sitting with the one Oh five or one Oh six or something. Yeah. in this rookie draft. And I traded Jarek <laughs> McKinnon for this pick for Rashad Penny purely because he went to Seattle over Nick Chubb and that worked out for neither of us. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, we tell that story on this show uh, from time to time. Yeah. It's, it's a fun one. Um, we both, we both like to laugh at that one. Um, but if Colin had won it, I would never tell it on this show because obviously no, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Torrey Horton, 172 overall wide receiver, 66. I've got his value as half of that. I mean, he should be going significantly earlier than that. He's the kind of guy that's just so locked in for CFF that I would take him in the first nine or eight or nine rounds and be very very fine with it. To be honest, there's a handful of guys every year. He's one of them. Malachi Corley's another. Um, Squirrel White's one. Like I'm very iffy on what he does for the NFL. Because I think his height and weight are very overstated, by the way. We haven't had we have not had this discussion on this show, but he's listed like 5'10, 170, and there's no effing way he's 5'10 or <laughs> 170. There's zero percent chance. So um, I, I'm questionable on the NFL upside there. You wanna you want to talk about some other guys here, Colin? I think we we kind of yeah. went similar directions here, but
1: yeah. Um, so the next guy I, I'm gonna talk about here. You guys actually you talked about him on, on Debbie debate last week. He is a guy in my, uh, uh, the article that I'm, that it's going to be released this week. Mm -hmm. Um, Keegan Johnson, wide receiver, Kansas state, uh, formerly of Iowa. Um, he was, you know, I mean, it's, it's Iowa's offense. It's been the butt of jokes for the past couple of years. Um, but Keegan Johnson was a four-star recruit, second ranked athlete in this class. Uh, He made an immediate impact as a freshman, 18 catches, 352 yards, and two touchdowns. doesn't sound like a lot um, until you realize that that's actually second on the team in yards and touchdowns. Um, So, you know, that was a very good freshman year. Sophomore year, he missed 10 games last year. Uh, Transfers to Kansas State. Kansas State has a more modern play caller in Colin Klein. Um, who's a former quarterback, You know, and it's hard to get much worse than Iowa, but I actually think Kansas State's offense is going to be pretty good this year. They have Will Howard at quarterback, who is a pretty solid quarterback. I think he's pretty good. He can definitely sustain a CFF relevant option. They don't really have an offensive focal point after Deuce Vaughn left, so I think that offense is going to undergo a little bit of a change. Johnson's already been turning heads in spring. They're projecting him as the starter. Very good all-around athlete. Um, I think he's a versatile wide receiver. You can use him in a variety of different ways. So I think he's going to have some CFF potential this year. And I also think he has some Debbie potential as well. So I like Keegan Johnson. He's currently being drafted as the 390th player, wide receiver 145. Um, again, I'm I'm still working through my rankings and updating that stuff, but I had him, um, I had him higher than that for sure. Um, I had him at one Oh one and that's too low. Um, I will probably be moving him up into, if I had to take a guess right now, like it'd be like seventies somewhere in that range. Um, I I think he, like I said, I think he has a little bit of both um, not Massive CFF ceiling, not a massive NFL ceiling, but he's got just enough of both to be really intriguing for me and to feel fairly safe taking it.
0: 70 sounds right to me because I have him at 77. So there it is. Um, um, quick trivia question I'm gonna put him at 76. Quick trivia
1: question for you Where is Will Howard from? Oh, he's from uh Downingtown, Pennsylvania you knew that okay yeah i did there we go yeah
0: yeah yeah good old uh this outside of philadelphia neck of the woods yep. yeah yep uh, i also always get will howard and walker howard confused and i will until the end of time so yeah. one of them needs to quit playing football
1: my i, I, I would say walker yeah yeah <laughs>
0: um no i mean i agree and i talked about it on debbie debate if you want to listen to my take on it it's not that dissimilar from colin so you really want to wonder where colin just got his information from um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I just think I just think that often will still be fairly prolific this year. Like, they had Adrian mm-hmm. Martinez for half the year, and I think, you know, just getting rid of those snaps just makes it a lot more appealing for the pass catchers. So, um, I don't know what the backfield's going to look like, um, but I think I think I feel pretty good predicting Keegan Johnson to lead Kansas State in receiving this year.
1: Yeah, uh, I would agree with that. I also really like um, their tight end, uh, Ben Sinna. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think he could be really good for CFF this year. I don't know what his NFL potential is going to be, but he's a uh, under-the-radar tight end that I've been taking in supplemental drafts, like, you know, rounds 10, 12. He's always
0: in my queue, and he n- I never end up taking him. Like, I always just go a different direction. But, I mean, yeah, he he makes the queue, and my <laughs> queues are, you can ask PJ, notoriously stingy. So Ooh, uh, okay. he'll be like, oh, I've got like 400 guys left in my queue. I'm like, oh, I have 40. So I, I'm, a little, I'm a little stingier with that. I never get through the whole queue anyway. Do
1: you? Yeah, no, no. Well, I'm also, I go through and I put every player that I would consider drafting or would want to put on my watch list in the queue because that's just way easier for me where right before the draft, right before the draft's over to go through and be like, all right, this guy's still here. Let me watch list him. This guy's still here. Let me watch list him. Uh, You know what? I don't actually care about him. I'm just going to let him go. Yeah. No. So my my queues are really deep. I agree. I agree. Um, The
0: one real Debbie guy that I have on my list here that I I had to like triple check to make sure this was correct. Like I went through the raw data to make sure that this number was correct. And apparently it is. Jalen Hale, the freshman wide receiver at Alabama, who I believe in the composite was like wide receiver six or something like that, is going as the 208th player overall and wide receiver 77 in our drafts. And I get that I have... I think it was this show. If it wasn't on this show, oh, eh, it might've been on Devi Dose. I was on there talking receivers a couple weeks ago. From a talent perspective, I think Jalen Hale as a top 10 receiver in this class is probably the correct take. If you have to ask me if I feel confident that he sifts through enough garbage at Alabama this year to touch the field, my answer is probably no. I don't think he's that level of a player. I don't know that the skill set is anything that they don't already have there, which is the other thing. When you look at some of these, that's why Antonio Williams last year was like the most slam dunk. Like this guy's going to just play a bunch as a freshman guy ever. Cause they literally, it's a bunch of six, five guys and Antonio Williams, like just do the math. Uh, It was not that hard. Um, But every guy on Alabama right now is like six foot to six foot two, like possession wide receiver. Doesn't really win deep that well, reliable, like just, that's what he is. Like he's a good player, but, nothing more than that so but still as the wide receiver 77 man like that's like i'm taking a chance on him before that and i only have him like 15 spots ahead of that in my rankings but i i mean i'm taking him before that like that's just a, a, a wide open slam dunk guy that the mystery box there at pick 208 is i actually clicked out of it i want to go see what pick two, like what's what's around him so we can get an idea of uh of the, the, the players that are hanging out with him pick pick two oh eight you're if you're not taking him you're taking josh McCray, oh. illinois running back jeff sims the Nebraska quarterback <laughs> uh there's some there's actually some good players in here there's actually wait there's I'm sorry
1: Josh S- Jeff Sims is going at two oh around two oh eight and Donovan Smith's going to two forty six.
0: That's what the numbers tell me. People, what are we doing? People trust Matt Rule. I trust Matt Rule. I trust Dana Holgerson. If Wait. I had a baby, I'd let him like hold it for a second. Well, if I had to go do something real quick, I trust Matt Rule. <laughs> Seems like a good guy. <laughs> Dana Holgerson, I would not let hold a baby. No, so, no. no, no. no.
1: Um, <laughs> I mean, if, if that's the would, standard we're using, though, you know how many other coaches would would meet that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, for some reason, just <laughs> a very odd statement popped in my head that I'm not going to make on this show. Uh, I would let Nick Saban hold my baby. Had a
1: baby. yeah yeah but what uh, Jim Harbaugh you gonna let him
0: hold a baby I would but I feel like he would whisper weird stuff to it if he held it
1: <laughs> he'd have a he'd have a, a glass of milk ready for
0: like the baby. I don't I don't even know what he would whisper to it but he would whisper weird stuff and that baby's first words would be alarming so um I, I would not let I would not let him maybe that should be a new how much like how much we trust a, a, a head coach for fantasy is baby holding like, let scale him hold our baby yeah <laughs> Yeah, we'll have to. We'll workshop that, and I'll get back to you. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so stupid. Um, your other answer here is piggybacking a little bit off of uh, conversation. It might not. We just it, we recently had a conversation about Taj Brooks on this show with mm-hmm. Yonki, right? Jay I think Yonkey? so. I, I wasn't was on the
1: show. Yeah. <laughs> It was one of the ones that I was not on for.
0: Yeah, it was either Yankee or Josh, CFF guys. I think it was Yankee It said that he likes, he had him as like mm-hmm. in the 50s for CFF this year, mm-hmm. which is not necessarily a guy that's moving the needle for me if I'm looking for, uh, you know, CFF mm-hmm. stuff. But it's not, a, you know, it's a, the guy you could plug in if you needed to.
1: Yeah, so uh, my guy is, is Taj Brooks here. Um, and Taj Brooks... It has just perennially been plagued by uh, Sir Roger Thompson. I mean, the, Sir Roger Thompson should have left years ago and just kept sticking around and kept sticking around and kept holding Taj Brooks back. Uh, Taj Brooks, he, in 2020, um, he was the RB2, the RB so that was his freshman season. In his sophomore year, he had three 100-yard games down the stretch So he looked really good down the stretch. Um, And then last year, he actually showed uh, some pass-catching ability. He had 26 catches last year for 164 yards and a touchdown. Um, He has 45 career catches over three years. So he's not anybody that you're going to use as a weapon in the pass game. But I think he's along like the Zach Charbonnet. He's on the, like the Zach Charbonnet scale of uh, uh, of a pass catcher. Like he can do it. You don't need to take him off the field on the third down. But Taj Brooks finally gets rid of Sir Roger Thompson this year. Uh, and I think he's going to have a pretty decent year um, this year for CFF purposes. He's not going to be, like you said, he's not going to be in a slam dunk. In the 50s feels like a good range he will be like a, a flex player for you. You know, he'll have some big weeks probably, uh, especially if, you know, they can't get the quarterback situation under control. Uh, but I also think he has some Debbie potential too. He's big physical back. Uh, he runs through to arm tackles very easily. He always falls forward. He's got a little shiftiness to his game, but, you know, he's much rather run people over than go around them. Uh, he's got decent acceleration and long speed. Um, he's probably like a high four or five guy, I think. So, you know, it's not terrible, but he's not gonna be winning too many foot races. But he's really patient, he's decisive at the line, he gets upfield as quickly as he can. He's gonna get all as many yards for you, or he's gonna get a bunch of yards for you, he's gonna get what's blocked. He's the type of guy that I think gets drafted in like round five, six and then just kind of hangs around and ends up being a a guy that they give the ball to, you know, an injury happens in the backfield and he takes over and he's like an RB two for you. Um, that there's a lot of guys that can do that, but I think Taj Brooks can do that. And I think he's going to offer a little bit of CFF value for you this year. So he currently has no ADP. He's not being drafted at all inside the top 20 rounds. He's going as which there's 165 running backs that are being drafted and he's not one of them. So, I have Taj Brooks as my RB 64. So that's a hundred spots ahead of that. So I, I, I think he's being criminally underrated right now
0: so my problem with taj brooks as we sometimes talk about on this show with different players as they pop up from time to time is that i'm not sure that he's the kind of guy that i ever feel super comfortable plugging into a cff lineup on any given week and i'm not sure that he, he is more than like a six-round nfl draft pick so he's actually the kind of guy even though i did really like him after his freshman year he looked pretty solid i'm not sure that he's really doing much for me on a roster you know i think i'd mm-hmm. rather shoot for some sort of upside either direction and hope for the best. I, I get what you're saying. Like, I th- and I think they're all
1: fairly legitimate points. Yeah. I mean, the guys that I have around him, um, Trayshawn Ward, Caleb Johnson, Richard Young, Kendall Milton, Jarquez Hunter, Jarquez Hunter would be higher if we knew what was going on with him. Um, but for now we don't really know what's going on with them. Javante Barnes, Le'Veon Moss. So like, I running back is kind of a wasteland this year after a certain spot like like after the top guys um and then you have some CFF guys that I like but there's just a lot of meh the uh, running back right now so I don't know I, I think you could do a lot worse like I said he's not being drafted at all inside these 20 rounds so it's yeah, not like you and, can spend a lot on him
0: and again in my opinion I think that's probably correct but could uh could just be me um the other name that i put down here that i thought was just like glaring and again this is going back to our i was looking at him
1: too i was considering
0: is is sia bangura the running back at ohio is going at as the 216th player off the board on average 76th overall running back so sia bangura is pretty locked in at this point as like a top five cff option for this year i mean obviously weird stuff can happen it's college fantasy football but he's about as good of a shot from a predictab- projectability standpoint as anybody in the country there aren't really a lot of guys that you can point to and say like that offense is going to run the ball they're going to run the ball with him he can catch he's capable of catching 30 to 40 passes in any single season and they play in the mac like that's just like the sweetener on top of everything i have him in my running backs it's a very similar deal to where i have the wide receivers i have Bangura. In my high, high thirties, 38 overall in a clump as the top CFF only quote unquote guys in my rankings with Rasheen Ali, LaDamian Webb, Kavorian Barnes, uh, Marquez Cooper, and Rodney Hammond Jr. So I'm slightly confused as to why, uh, I, 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 it's just it's very very cheap and again this is one of these guys that just he checks all the boxes. What are we like? Don't you don't need to wait that long? I know I I also say on the show like running back production's a dime a dozen, but if you can just pick up a guy that's locked in, like why would you not? And he is floating around in some some, some sub yes. drafts out there. Yeah. For the record, double check your sub draft pool to make sure he's not sitting there because I think in a lot of leagues him and Barnes actually and possibly Rodney Hammond are and those are top. 40 guys in my rankings that that you will not want to miss out on i think
1: where do you have that? yeah you
0: have your running backs done right
1: yeah i do um i have bangura at 36 kavorian barnes 35. um so then they're right behind Dontavius brad as well and gavin Sawchuk. so yeah I'm, I'm pretty high on both of those guys as well rodney hammond i have a 40. LaQuinn Allen, 39, Marquez Cooper, 38, Damian Webb, 37. So, like, that's right in the CFF range. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think I completely agree with you. And, and you know, we, we both said that we're starting to play C2C uh, and starting to look at the CFF guys as a one-year as, as opposed to two. More or less, um, yeah. You know, but I think Bang- Bangura has two years left. Um, So that is something that does factor in. I don't know if he's the type of guy that's going to transfer up. I I was going to
0: say, that's the problem. If he has another 1400 yard year, then there's, there's a chance that. Yeah. He could could be Carson Steele and Michigan state
1: or something comes calling. Yeah. Like some random Midwest team. up From the Mac. Yeah. Right. Which would be really annoying. Um, But I do think, you know, if you can get two years out of him, that's absolutely, it's worth more than that. Probably what you're going to pay for him. If you get one year out of it, then that's what you're looking for. Because I think and, he's like an RB1.
0: And not to have a completely different discussion on this, because we're almost 50 minutes into the show, and it's actually these six players carried us further than I thought they would, <laughs> um, quite quite honestly. Um, it, it is funny that it's almost better to get a guy, and now that I, I say this and I have Quint Allen a few spots lower than these guys, uh, about 10 spots lower, it's almost better to get a guy who has a bunch of eligibility at like a low-end power five, because maybe the odds of them just destroying their conference are a little bit less. Not that, you know, Mac guys are going for 2000 yards a year anyway, but you know, Lou Nichols you know, from two yeah. years ago is kind of the baseline there. If you want to look at that, but those guys probably aren't going to transfer up. Like they probably are. If they're at those schools, I don't want to say self-aware, but like the situation just, or the whole situation is probably such that like, they're not like, well, this is a step up. If I go to, you know, crappy school that is power five in name only. Whereas you have to worry about that with a guy like Banker or like, you know, Carson Steele or UCLA is better than that. I'm not, I don't want to crap on UCLA, but some <laughs> of these guys just, they, they, they accept these offers cause it's going up and then I mean, guaranteed that they play anymore. So um, it is almost better, but obviously yep. yeah, case by case basis, how that looks overall. Right. Right. All right. Well, I think that, you know, we were going to maybe ta- Do you have any other just kind of honorable? Nin- oh, we do. So we wanted to do some Secret Santa in June, and we both <laughs> Secret Santa on a on a steal, and we didn't tell each other what they were beforehand. And now I'm really curious to hear if we have the same mm-hmm. guy. And the rule on this one was that it has to be a player that is like actually valued.
1: Yeah. So, so like an like earlier it, guy. You know,
0: a guy like gets in the first five or six rounds that we think is going mm-hmm. too cheap. Um, last year, we said on the show multiple times it was a Mech and you're welcome. Yeah. So, are there guys going in those ranges this year that are not freshmen? Because I think just a freshman as a whole, we're a little more aggressive on. Mm-hmm. I sat there and I was like, I think Jonte Cook's too cheap. I think Jackson Arnold's too cheap. Right. Those are kind of cheating answers. So,
1: Colin, who is your expensive player that is still too cheap here? Um, so, right before we get into that, I just want to, I'm surprised that you didn't mention this guy as one of your guys was too cheap. Because mm-hmm. um, you mentioned it before, is um, Kalib Hicks. Uh, going to Oklahoma. he. I don't have it pulled up in front of me here because I I thought you were going to talk about it, but he's like way down there. Um,
0: so here's it, the thing with a player like Hicks, and this is going to sound really odd, and I don't even know how to describe this as I'm drafting. A player with his uncertainty in his profile, I am much more willing to take in a supplemental draft at like a reasonable range than I am in a startup draft. I don't okay. really... I I think there actually probably is a good reason behind that, like theoretically, like, in terms of like theory. But I have no idea how to articulate it. I, Chris Moxley will probably be like, "Oh yeah, like you actually you're probably doing that because of this." And I'd be like,
1: "Oh, that makes so much sense."
0: Yeah. Or he'll just call me an idiot. It could be one or the other. Um, I yeah. bounce all my strategic stuff off him first. But um, but yeah, I, so like Hicks is a guy that I probably wouldn't take in the first twenty rounds in a startup. I probably wouldn't take him mm. to like RB th- or to like round thirty because there's wow. a couple guys ahead of him on the depth chart and he's a freshman like you're probably not getting anything out of him for at least one year and i don't feel super great about taking a guy like that in a startup
1: i don't know fair enough fair enough um i just you had mentioned it before so i was kind of surprised because i remember looking at it and i was like wow he's way too low um
0: but there's a bunch of guys that are like, but they're again, they're a lot of freshmen like Quentin Joyner's way too low. Eugene yeah. Wilson at Florida is way too low. Hammond is also too low. Yeah. Samson Evans running back at Eastern Michigan. Like there, there's a ton of guys in this range that are just like, what, what are we doing? here? But I digress.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, anyway, so my guy that's highly rated that I think is too cheap right now is Jace McClellan uh, <laughs> running back. Alabama. Is that, is that your guy? I told you I would punch into my notes app before we started.
0: And here it is, Colin. You can see it on the screen here. On the
1: screen. Where is he here? Uh, Jace McClellan. He's oh, currently it's going. Auto
0: corrected at the Jade. So Jade McClellan. Yeah, that's that's okay. Jace's sister. But yeah.
1: Jade. Uh, or Jace. Jace. Yes, I am a fan. Yeah, Jace McClellan. Uh, ADP forty one point three right now. Uh, RB thirteen off the board. Um, uh, which I think is just way too low. I have him as my RB seven. Uh, I think that he is going to be the guy for Bama this year. I think Bama is going to be more run heavy than we've seen in the past couple of years. Yep. Uh, They don't really have a very good quarterback. Their wide receivers are very, a lot of guys, but nobody who's the guy there. Uh, So I think they're going to lean on the running game this year. And I think Jace McClellan is a do-it-all kind of guy. We've seen him catch passes before. He did that very well in his freshman year. Um, and last year, he ran between the tackles pretty well. He complimented Jameer Gibbs pretty well. So I think Jace McClellan's kind of a do it all type of a guy. And I, I think he's a good athlete as well. I, I think Jace McClellan is pretty locked into, barring injury, pretty locked into day two draft capital next year. So I, I think Jace McClellan's going way too low.
0: Yeah, I that says we just established the guy that I also wrote down exactly the same reasons. I had a feeling heavy
1: this year. They're
0: gonna be very run heavy this year. I don't know that people are ready for it yet. I think he gets and I think he's like the bell cow. Yeah. Like we could be looking without another proven guy, I think some other guys get some touches, but this could be a Najee Harris senior year type backfield situation for him. It's a lot of unproven players and unlike some of the guys in the past that the reason they they've had to have a bit of a rotation is because he has a 3 downs a full three-down skill set. Like they were using him as the receiving back early in his career at 5'11" 210. I mean, yeah. he, he he has a very complete skill set. So I actually think that there is a legitimate chance that we see him go top 40 picks in the nfl draft next year That's i can see the, that i i have him rb eight you said you have him seven so we're not that yeah. far off i'm curious which guy i, I you i
1: have had him. cedric baxter probably i have baxter at seven so i have baxter at eight there we go <laughs> so
0: yeah i uh yeah he, he's just he's super super cheap i do i'm in a debbie mock right now and i got him in like the lead fourth round or something like that i was like why like,
1: what are we doing yeah yeah it's 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 um it's, yeah, it's at, crazy. At pick 40. His ADP was 41.3. So, you know, that's like the middle of the fourth, fourth. round. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I at RB7, like I would start to look at him second round. And I mean, you listed
0: some. Did you list some players that are going ahead of him? I did not No. Like here, just the list of guys that are going, not the full list, but some guys ahead of that. I just cannot rationalize ever. Uh Devin Neal, Troy Franklin. Um, I would take him over Malik Neighbors. I would take him over Kate Klubnick. I would take him, Blake Quorum's going ahead of him. There's some other guys that are then I know, have, kind of 50, I am 50.
1: like one of the biggest fans of Blake Quorum out there, apparently. Uh, at least at our site, especially. And I have Cedric or uh, Jace McClellan at RB7 and Quorum at 14. Yeah, it's not even so, close in my opinion. Yeah, and I think there's a drop off after RB like 10 for me to be honest
0: there's even a legitimate chance that jace mcclellan performs essentially just as well as blake quorum does this year
1: yeah i'm For cff 100
0: I, I wouldn't feel comfortable sitting here going like you know banging the table and saying jace mcclellan finishes above blake quorum this year in fantasy because i think the way that michigan's set up um especially with their cupcake non-con is it it, it i don't want to make that claim um right there's only two two legitimate players in that backfield, like. Alabama has four or five but I just think yeah. you know McClellan's much more experienced SEC all those things but yeah I, mean, I there's a legit chance that they finish within like a point and a half point per game two points per game this year I would yeah. not shock me at all so I just too cheap too cheap too cheap go uh should be eight to ten spots higher than that if you're in a draft yeah. right now and he's still on the board and you're after the second run, you know start thinking about it yeah I would take him over if, Ma- Matthew Golden's in here too. I would take him way over Matthew Golden. That wouldn't yeah. even be if someone offered me Matthew Golden for Jace McClellan, that would be a slam. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, give me give me McClellan. Yep. All day. All day. Fun. Okay. So we had the same player. Secret Santa was at least it wasn't yeah. like, you know, I bought you the thing that for your favorite thing and you sold your favorite thing to, to not, you know, that that old cliched story. We did, we didn't do that at least. So nope. All right. Let's get some housekeeping out of the way. An hour into the show. Five minutes into the show.
1: (laughs) Whatever. Felix is gonna kill us.
0: (laughs) A couple of things. Check out campuscant.com. They're our parents' site. They're the ones that tell us what to do. Um, but you know, it's it's us. We like I don't our hands in (laughs) <laughs> uh, this is really drafting season, guys. So if you're if you're in some sort of drafts, I guarantee any CFF, Debbie C2C, we can help you out. Whether it you you know rankings, articles, podcasts, um, ADP, just basically anything. Guides is my next point. Debbie guide, freshman supplemental guide are both out there available for you now. Twenty dollars. If you have, and I, I we we sometimes do this. If you have a NIO yearly membership, you get it for free. If you have a scholarship yearly membership, or you get one of the guides. I'm just going to get grandfather next. Oh, or sorry, grandfather. Sorry, you get sorry. one of the guides for free. Your choice. You should have gotten an email about it. If you didn't, let us know. You can choose one of them. Then you can go buy the other ones if you really, really want them. Yep. And then um, pre-orders are open, Colin, for CFF? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, hey, 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 pre-orders they're are they're open mess. for the CFF guide. Those guys are grinding. I seen it. Grinded, so I think thing's going to be ready by July 1st. So if you don't want to miss out on that. It's really, really good. I really, really
1: enjoyed reading it last year. Yeah, um, same. It's, it's, it's really, even really good. Felix says that's the one he uses most,
0: even though we have an entire section in our supplemental guide of non freshman <laughs> players yeah, that our um, CFF team writes. Yeah, <laughs> but that's a different discussion. He was staying out there. I was like. Come on, man! But yes, the CFF guide is excellent. It has a ton of player rankings and profiles, and it breaks down literally every single raw like team in the in college football. So a lot of new features, or at least you know, improved features this year, I think. So it's yeah. going to be really, really good. Um, and then our last news piece here—if you didn't hear it on a couple of other shows—there are fewer than a hundred days until we have college football back for Saturdays, and we are helping you prepare your fantasy teams, but your wardrobe. Needs to get ready, too. And that's where Home Field Apparel comes in. We love Home Field Apparel, just straight up. I have, I don't know, seven, eight, nine t-shirts. It's a curse. I think Chris K. has one of each one they've ever yeah. dropped in, in the thousands. Ethan, Ethan Sowers is up there, too. <laughs> the most. So here is actually one. The most comfortable pair of sweatpants that I own is a pair of their sweatpants. They're so damn comfy. Like I bought them a size up so they're a little bit I don't big. have a pair of their oh, sweatpants. So I only soft. have a
1: shirt. I feel like I need to buy the sweatpants.
0: Buy the sweatpants. Buy the sweatpants. You're going to want like 12 pairs more. They're freaking <laughs> incredible. I wear, unfortunately, it's a it, the, the colors match. I have an Arizona oh. Wildcat <laughs> sweatshirt and a pair of sweatpants. And when I put it on, we call it my blueberry. And I just walk around the apartment and we go, blueberry. <laughs> um, it's a lot of fun. We have fun at our place. Um, but this stuff is incredible. It's all uh, college, like sports uh, mostly vintage retro type designs that are really, really cool. Uh, over 150 schools represented, and most of them have multiple designs, t-shirts, sweatshirts, sweatpants, quarter zips, basically everything you could want. We are now partnered with them, promo code CAMPUS2Canton, just our company name spelled out, number two in the middle, gets you 15% off any purchase over there. So go ahead and do that. Through the month of June, If you use our promo code at home field and you take a screenshot of the receipt, it tells you on it, if you used a promo code and it says what promo code you used, So we, we can tell, send it to us. You'll be entered to win uh, all of our guides for the year. Like you just get the winner gets all of them and our NIL members. We'll be doing something a little, a a little bigger than that for you guys. So stay tuned. News will be dropping for you guys shortly on that one, but seriously, go ahead and use it. I'm waiting until closer to the season and then I'm legit going to buy like 40 t-shirts for myself and use this <laughs> code. And my wife's going to be like, what did you spend $600 on? I'd be like, just don't worry about it.
1: Don't worry about it. I got 15% off of the 60, $600. I had me. to do it. It yeah. was a bargain.
0: How, would, how do I not?
1: Yeah. yeah I'm going to buy losing just, honestly, money. Yeah.
0: yeah. The, honestly, like the, the, the sweatshirts and sweatpants are my favorite. They're just so freaking comfortable. I'd, I'd wear them all the time if I lived in a climate. I've considered moving to like... A more northern snowy location so I can wear them year round. I seriously <laughs> just, I mean, you work from home, just yeah. crank the AC. That's, that's
1: just, we're just so my it.
0: current apartment actually does not have AC, uh, so that it's so already have like you know window units and stuff, a uh, little, little trickier to do. That. Gotcha, a little trickier. All right, that's all we've got for housekeeping. Last piece here, Colin, before we quickly run through our freshman profiles for the day, which we haven't done in like a month because there hasn't been a time where we've both been here. We asked in the Discord. Uh, we actually got some good answers. That I think we're going to talk about at some point down the line. Although people did want to hear cooking with Colin, and I think we uh, we,
1: we got covered that one done here
0: yeah. early. Yeah, um, is what the odds are of some of these wide receivers in the freshman class becoming year one zeros. And the year one zero is a theory that we have developed here at Campus to Canton, which has some minimal thresholds that freshman wide receivers, true freshman wide receivers, need to hit in order for us to feel confident about future dev success down the line and i'll give you so the the in terms of like future success players that hit at least one year 10 one threshold the odds are like four times greater that they do something in nfl they're very very minuscule if if you don't hit one of these that you ever do anything in the nfl it's just it's basically a surrogate for you're working hard in practice the coaching staff trusts you and enough to get on the field to do some sort of very minimal production. How minimal is it? 10 it's receptions, a hundred receiving yards, five rush attempts, 15 rush yards, one rush touchdown, 10 scrimmage touches, 115 scrimmage yards and five punt or kick returns. That's like nothing. They're, they're very, very small, but the odds are just astronomically less if you don't hit one of those. So
1: this, we have if a tour. You're, actually on the if summer. you're outside okay. the top 300 players. Yes. Caveat. Inside the top 300. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that way.
0: Yeah, Yeah. we're looking at just the top recruits essentially because those guys, at this point in how football works, you should be stepping on campus ready to go. So if you want an idea of the players that are included from the 2023 class, go look at the 24-7 sports composite, which is what we use. The cutoff player is Cole Adams, who's wide receiver 42. He's at Alabama.
1: I think he's 299.
0: Yeah. player <laughs> yeah yeah so he's, he's the last guy that we're looking at for this year that we that we really care about so colin i do want to ask you who are some players in this year's class that we're concerned hitting none of those thresholds and are like their 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 stock just plummets and we had some guy we had some big names last year not do it yeah um, and we have a tool on the website you can go to and you can sort every single year you want and you can see exactly which thresholds they hit how many because if you hit four or more your odds also increase like it's just you know, you, you, it's, it's basically like you didn't quite break out, but you were good enough to eat on the field and like do something. That's great. That's
1: what we want. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we'll, let's cover the guys that are not really valued that much right now um, to start. And then we can have maybe a little bit of a deeper discussion on some of the, the higher ranked guys, some of the more notable guys. But some of the guys are maybe a little bit lower that I I would be very surprised if they hit it. Um, Brian Niblett. Um, going to Texas. He's actually like a, a top 15 wide receiver in the class on the composite. I want to say he's even like close to like 12. He is, and it's so weird. This is the, I don't We get did this whole with
0: thing that. with Brennan Thompson last year, and he's stunk. Yeah. We're going to do
1: it again this year with Niblett, who's a worse player. Just yeah. bizarre to me. Yeah, so Ryan Niblett, Texas. Um, there's two guys at Georgia, Yazid Haynes, Anthony Evans. I would be very surprised if either of them hit it. Carmelo English at Michigan. I'd be surprised if he hit it. We already talked about how loaded bama's wide receiver room is with just like dudes and bodies so jaron hamilton just a and bunch cole. of dudes and bodies man <laughs> just can't do it can't do it bro um uh, jaron hamilton and cole adams both going to bama i would be surprised if either of them hit it um and then two guys who i think you know it, playing time is maybe a little bit more clearer but i still don't think they're going to hit it are aiden williams going to old miss and jacquase Petaway going to oklahoma those guys, so Niblett, Petaway, Williams, Haynes, English, Evans, Hamilton, Adams. I don't think those guys really have any shot at breaking it. I would be very surprised if those guys did.
0: I think I agree with a lot of those names, and I think the the big issue is you kind of have to weigh, and this is there. There's there's some subjectivity in here, which is what makes it. Yeah. There's some objectivity, subjectivity. Subjectivity Subjectivity is opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is stupid. Because they should have switched it because then objectivity starts with an O and so does opinion. And then I could remember it that way, but I have to remember it the opposite. That's how I do it every time. Um (laughs) there's some subjectivity here. I really do, that's true. Um, because you're kind of weighing like how talented do I think this player is versus how deep do I think this depth chart is versus like is this dude a knucklehead and some of that we just can never know which all which, which makes it difficult but i i think the list that you provided here is fairly good i i'm looking oh,
1: over it wow yeah i, I really really okay do. that's uh that might be one of the best compliments you ever give me I fairly think so.
0: good and <laughs> that's about the best you'll ever hear from me yeah um there are a couple of guys that i think I think we'll get, we'll have the opportunity presented to them, and whether they take it or not, I don't know. And though that will be a guy like Shelton Sampson at Clemson, mm-hmm. because they, they, they have neighbors who I'm on record as saying I, I think he's a, a solid, good player, but not the quality that gets batted around sometimes. And then they don't really have another good receiver on that roster, like, or at least a proven receiver. So I think there's a legit chance that Samson just there to kind of just like F it, like put him out there. I think LSU will be good this year, which is good for this because that hopefully means blowouts to get in, because that's how a lot of these guys rack up the stats is they, they get yeah. in versus like Southwest Carolina for state and they go eight for one oh two in a touchdown. And that's like the only time they play. But good. Good that they got they got in over some other scrub that could have also put up eight one two and two. So Um, I I think Samson is the guy that I I just think is like a, I I think the opportunity will be presented to him and can he take it or not? I think the other ones that are really interesting are the Florida,
1: the Florida guys. And some of them are not in the top. Yeah. I didn't put any of the Florida guys on there because I feel like that wide receiver room is bad enough that one of them will probably have a a pretty good shot at beating it. I just don't necessarily know which one it's going to be.
0: Yeah, because Eugene Wilson is in there, and mm-hmm. I, I actually feel pretty good about him making it overall, just because again we're talking about Antonio Williams with Clem- with uh, with Clemson last year, and I think Wilson is very similar at Florida, where they don't really have another slot guy there, and I think Wilson just slots slots in, <laughs> and uh-huh. is I didn't I I didn't mean it, I swear, and he's really good there and produces. I don't know, five hundred yards this year. Well, they might not even throw for five hundred yards. Yeah, they uh, might not
1: have to throw for five hundred yards. They might not have a receiver go for five hundred. So maybe he puts up like three hundred.
0: He'll put up something respectable for whatever the offense is able to yeah.
1: do this year. That's how I'll that's how I'll phrase that.
0: But if you're talking about like Aiden Mizzle is the guy, it was right beside him in the composite. I don't feel that good about him hitting it at all because that offense is gonna be so bad
1: uh and i don't know i don't know andy Andy gene Gene was the other one that we heard a little bit about in the spring but where is he uh he's
0: not he's not even top 50 in the class so he definitely didn't make it um i'm looking for him quick we none of us were big andy gene fans uh he's why he's here 56 in the class okay 378 nationally overall so okay uh he doesn't qualify um but yeah, I think that's the I mean there's some other guys in here that I think are mostly for Debbie purposes, I don't really care that much about. Like I don't care that much about Malik Elsey, who's at Illinois, but he technically falls in here. You know, you actually know a guy that I think I feel I don't know what kind of odds I could get on this, but I can almost guarantee you he doesn't get it this year. Ashton Kozert at Oregon. Oregon. I feel really good.
1: Really, really, really good that he doesn't get anywhere close to it. Yeah, that's because. a good point. I probably should have added him on this list yeah. too. I would agree with you. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think out of the the top guys on this list, you, you mentioned Shelton Sampson. Um, I Maybe he does, uh, if he does, Jalen Brown, the other wide receiver going there to, uh, to LSU does not. LSU does have um, Brian Thomas and... Um, it's Chris Hilton, the other one on the outside, I think, right? Yeah, and Hilton's a totally different role. So I wouldn't even necessarily consider them like competitors. I mean, I, okay. there's competitors for snaps, but like positionally. Yeah, so it's probably Brian really Thomas that's ahead of him, who was a yeah. pretty high recruit Well, last year or the year before that. You know? Two years so, ago. Two years yeah. ago. So I, there's, there's enough bodies in the way that I'm worried about Samson. And that's kind of the same thing with Noah Rogers at Ohio State. I actually liked Noah Rogers. Like I think he has a pretty nice ceiling. I mean, he's pretty raw. He had to kind of refine um, himself a little bit technically. And he did make some noise in the spring. But there's just so many bodies in that room. I think it's going to be really hard for all three of those Ohio State wide receivers, Innis, Tate, and Rogers to hit it. And I feel way better about Innis and Tate than I do Rogers.
0: Rogers is going to be a total cost a thing for me this off season. And usually he goes a little more expensive than I want to take him. I think I, I, again, I've been workshopping a lot of different strategic things actually with, with Moxley lately. And I think a concept that I've been messing around with a little more, especially in deeper leagues, like more than 12 teams is that you need to draft your fresh, your supplemental drafts as if you're right, as if you're correct. And that's a big thing in, in, a lot of best ball formats, especially NFL best ball formats. And I'm like, not the expert on that at all, but I know just from consuming enough content that basically you assume that like you think this running back owns this backfield this year, then you draft him like at, or slightly above cost. And if you're wrong, then like, you're just wrong. And that ends it like that team probably is toast. But if you're right, like the upside is insane. And I'm starting to think, especially in deeper formats that you have to draft these supplemental drafts as if you're right. And not as if it's a, portfolio which sounds totally counterproductive but it's it helps you determine earlier in the season what you need to do which can then set you up further down the line actually better than if you have the opposite happen so rogers for me is a guy that i think he's the third wide receiver in that group and i think he's he does not get a ton of run this year so I'm drafting as if I'm right, and he is not going to, and he's going to be a zero. That could be a mistake. You make mistakes this way, obviously, but I think you also are leaning into quite a bit of upside, too, if you nail it. Just
1: a thought. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, Other guys on the list?
0: I I want to hear if you have a a highly rated guy that, like, everyone likes that
1: you think has a chance at zero, like a surprise guy. Um no i don't really have a surprise guy i mean I, Hakeem williams going to florida state um he's pretty highly ranked yeah but not I, everybody likes him come on give no, me, give me not, a
0: name that's going early in, in freshman drafts here colin
1: um if i had to pick one gone to my head mckay lemon is the one that i'm worried about thank you he was gonna i was gonna ask about him i really like mckay lemon uh i think he's a really good wide receiver uh I'm just a little bit worried about the log jam of bodies in that wide receiver room. It's very similar to Alabama where they just have a lot of guys there. Uh, and they don't have a lot of, they don't have the guy, but like Mario Williams is there. Like we feel pretty confident he's going to be a starter, uh, in some capacity or you know, what's the ceiling. I don't really know Dorian singer. They brought in, you know, he, you know, is he going to be a starter? I think people are leaning probably. I I don't know, but they have, um, Brendan uh, Rice there too. Uh Michael Jackson, the third, is still there. You got some You're not even touching on the good guys here, Colin. Come on. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. So there's a lot of bodies there. I think with Makai Lemon, the thing that gives me hope is uh that he's very versatile. I think he can play inside or outside. I think he's probably better on the outside, but I think he can play either one. So if there is an opening, I think he could step in to fill that. Um, but he's the guy that I like a lot that I'm the most worried about.
0: I think him and Drury on Dickey are the two highly rated guys that are most likely to be zeros. And that's not saying I think there are like there's a great chance that either happens, but I think I am slightly suspicious of both of them. I just think Oregon has a lot there at, at, mm-hmm. at, in front of Dickey, at, like in a, to an annoying degree. And I don't know, um, like he does give you something a little different than the rest of them give you. Overall, I know I Troy say. Franklin's a little taller, but he's not really a guy that you want in contested catch situations. But I'm not sure that Dicky, like that, you're just bringing him
1: in to do that. You know, like I think Dicky's best chances in some is a blowouts in the non-con, and that's what most of these guys that's where they kind of hit it like you talked about earlier because they they got a top wide receiver you know in in dickey they you know it's been a little bit since they've gotten a top wide receiver troy franklin was the last one um so you know Dante maybe they Thornton, want
0: to you have short
1: memories well same year that was the same year but franklin was the higher rated one mm-hmm. um so maybe they you know want to try and him happy keep other wide receivers coming in so they put him in, in some blowouts maybe he looks good I mean he's also the type of guy that I think is going to endear himself to coaching staffs because just from watching his tape like that dude is competitive just even blocking reps mm-hmm. like he wants to bury that 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 defensive back so I think he could endear himself to coaching staffs and like you said he does give something a little different so I I think Dickie is probably going to hit it but like you said, maybe a little suspicious.
0: My only other worry, too, about the blowouts and non-con is that they have a ton of transfers at wide receiver, and I'm worried that they let them play a little bit longer to try to integrate slightly more yeah. in the offense. That's like my Tez Johnson and Gary Bryant now. Although Tez yeah, Johnson ne- and Bo Nix apparently have been throwing the ball around in the backyard for years, so, um, so they're
1: brother Yeah, but neither of those guys fill the same role no, that Dickie does, and that's the one thing I think he has going for him. It's the opposite of the Antonio Williams where they all have smaller guys, speedy guys. And they need like the big jump ball possession red zone type guy. And that's Dickie. How big is Chris Hudson? I don't think he's very big.
0: You don't know. You um, don't just know Chris Hudson's measurements. I don't. I don't
1: even just, I feel like he's not even six foot. I feel like he's 511
0: right, We're going to go. We're on Oregon's website. Oh, they, I think they're one of the schools that doesn't put it on there. Yeah, they are. Uh, that's uh, annoying. That's yeah, really annoying. uh side note. If you are a person that works on college football websites and your program doesn't put the height 511 and weight, 171, according to your trash. Reef. So just want to throw that out there. Um,
1: Yeah, they don't have it anywhere on there. Just freaking stupid. yeah, 511 171 on sports reference. So I don't know how much stock you put in that for heights and weights.
0: Well, that's all okay. we've got because yeah. Oregon sucks. Um maybe so. ESPN might have it, I don't know. I mean, they, they definitely do, but okay, yeah. even in their bio, like, they just put nothing. It's just so stupid. It's so stupid. Um okay, I mean, any any so any surprise guys that you think could hit it that are lowly rated?
1: Um know guys it goes that down I to think not to
0: see 42, but
1: um, so guys that I think could break the mold that are a little bit lower rated, is mm-hmm. that what you're saying? Um,
0: guys that I think that you think hit more than one threshold. I don't know. I don't know why you had to fancy up my question.
1: Break the mold. <laughs> um, Nathaniel Joseph's not super low, but that's another situation where I think Washington or, um, uh, Miami's run a wide receiver room is, is terrible. So I think he could get some run early. So I think he could hit it. Like I said he's not super low. Um, A guy that just real quick, uh, Tayshawn Lyons is a guy that I'm worried about not hitting it, going to Washington. Yeah. He's a player that I like a lot, but that's a log jam of wide receivers too. Um, hmm. Vandrevious Jacobs. But I don't think that's a surprise to anybody who listens to us. Yeah, we had him way higher, that. but yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Joshua I didn't, Man-
0: I didn't realize the Cole Adams actually ended the year inside the top three hundred because he's been a guy that I've been like thinking is kind of this sneaky like wide receiver seventy guy, um, and now I'm disappointed because he's definitely going to be a zero. But I think he can hang around at Alabama and have a nice career there.
1: Okay. Just um, Joshua Manning going to Missouri, I think mm-hmm. could hit it because that's a pretty, pretty soft wide receiver room. Um, they just lost Dominic Lovett. Now they have Luther Burden, but that's really about it. Still have Mookie Cooper there for what that's worth. But I <laughs> could see Nothing. him getting on the field. I could see him doing it.
0: Yeah, I think those are good ones that you can circle um, lower. I I don't have a lot of hope for some of these guys down lower. Jonah Wilson at Houston, I just there's too many bodies. Adam Hopkins, I don't think he's terribly good. Elzie at Illinois again, I don't think he's very good, and they're not going to pass the ball that much anyway. Rico Flores at Notre Dame, I doubt it. Robbie Washington, probably not. I mean, it's Chris Culliver. I don't think hits it at, at going to North Carolina. Not. Yeah, I mean their their OC was. I think it was there OC, was surprisingly open about how he felt about their wide receiver room when I was reading their stuff at the end of spring. And he was like, Well, I only trust four of these guys, and he named them. So I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> who Thank that? you. I can't ever be there. I would let that guy hold my baby. <laughs> that guy can hold my baby. I should I don't want to say that because I don't know who he is. He could be a monster, chip Lindsay. But um is that there is that there is yeah, that is Rosie. Yeah. I don't know any, I, I don't know anything know, about him personally. I know his, a little bit of his background, but yeah, I don't know if you like. Was a GA at Baylor when shit was going down. I don't. Yeah. I don't want to assume anything. Um. All right, let's get these freshman profiles out of here and let, let let's go home, Colin. Let's go home. I'm tired.
1: Sounds good to me. Uh, my freshman profile this week is Nico Iamalieva, uh, quarterback going to Tennessee. The eight million dollar man. Uh, he got the bag. To go to Tennessee allegedly allegedly got the McDonald's back um he's he's big he's very very tall 6'5 he's 109 listed 195 pounds very very skinny he has a concerningly slender frame I don't know that it's going to be able to support the weight that you would want it to for a guy who's 6'5 and has NFL aspirations now I mentioned the same thing in Austin Mack, because I think, and, and in um, Malachi Nelson, like those guys are both tall. Uh, They're both also skinny. I'm not overly concerned about weight and size at the quarterback position as much anymore. I mean, height matters a little bit more to me than weight to be honest, but it's just something to note. It's just a slight concern, but that doesn't impact his arm strength. Uh, Yamalieva has high end arm talent. Make any throw you ask of him. He has a cannon of an arm. He actually threw a touch better i thought his senior year compared to his junior year so it wasn't like just fastballs uh he throws effectively on the move from different arm angles Uh, he extends the plays well when he's flush from the pocket he plays well outside of structure he's a good athlete Uh, he's a high-end volleyball player which is not really something that you hear too much of out of like Yeah, you don't hear too much of a crossover between football, volleyball, especially the quarterback position. It's typically baseball guys, but uh, very athletic, um, you know, so he can make some plays. He can run a little bit, but, again, with his frame, you probably don't want him running too often. The concern with that I have with the Yamalyeva is, uh, you know, in the pocket, he's got quiet feet, fairly good mechanics, but he doesn't really move off his first read too often. Uh, and he does struggle with accuracy. He hasn't completed more than 60% of his passes the last two years in high school, which is not a good sign, but he does go to Tennessee. Tennessee is going to make this easy for him. They have that, um, kind of gimmicky scheme that, you know, we've talked about a lot, uh, this off season here where they have the wide, wide, the, the really wide splits for the wide receivers. Uh, they make quick reads. They'll, you know, go over the top as well. You know, they'll they'll let him challenge. So this is a really good system for Iamalyeva. He's going to be able to show off his arm strength. He's not going to be asked to do what he's not that good at at this point or what he's not quite as comfortable at. Uh, they're going to make it easy for him, give him some easy completions. So it's going to kind of mask some of his weaknesses and take advantage of his strengths. But my concern is how much of his, those weaknesses – can he how can he improve on to become a, an NFL level quarterback? I don't know the answer to that. Uh, he has a really high ceiling given his physical tools. Um, but I I at this point in time, I question what his NFL ceiling like future is going to be because I don't know if he's going to be able to develop technically and mentally quite enough.
0: Interesting. Um I'm very glad that you got to the end and your your closing line was I don't know. That is always good content <laughs> for the show. I think Colin and let's see if you would agree with this. He was one of the most difficult players to rank in this freshman class purely because we had so many questions about him as an NFL player, but the he, the offense that he's in is just tailor-made for like anybody
1: yeah. that's moderately competent to absolutely feast in. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I think he I think he has a chance to start games towards the end of this year. I talked about it on Debbie Dose um, with Eric Quartz. Um, we I talked about it on, on this show like 12 times. Like We know yes. what, what,
0: what Joe Milton is. He's I mean, yeah, an but, accident waiting to happen, to put it mildly.
1: Yeah, I think it really depends on when Joe Milton has that accident. Uh, if it's early on in the season, I don't know that we see Nico right away. But if it starts to happen, you know, later on in the season, like week eight, week nine, uh, is when Joe Milton and the wheels come off, then I think we could see Amalia at that point. And the backup's nobody special either. So, you know, he could still take over by like week eight or something like that. So out of the freshman, he has a decent chance to get on the field early. And I think once he gets on the field, like he's going to be the guy for 2024. I feel pretty confident saying that. So he's going to, be very productive. Like if this is strictly CFF, if I was playing in a CFF dynasty league, he's probably my QB one because of that ceiling in that Tennessee offense. Yeah. But it, for it's, Debbie, that's tough. Know. Yeah. Yeah. So who's I your agree.
0: guy? I agree. Yeah. Tough. Um, I picked uh, Jackson Arnold. Actually, we haven't done Jackson. Arnold, Right. Nope. Okay. Didn't want to make sure. Um, the list didn't carry over, so
1: I I, uh, I wanted to make sure that it was it was complete. <laughs> no, we haven't we haven't done it. I did Arch, and I think I did Malachi too. There we go. I think you did Dante.
0: It eh, sounds right. Um, Jackson Arnold, 6'1", 195, quarterback out of Guyer, Texas, headed to Oklahoma. Everybody knows by now if you're playing in this format. I would hope that he won Elite Eleven this past year, which points to the level of uh, polish at least uh, his arm has at the, at the moment in terms of accuracy and poise and, and some of those kinds of things and in, in a, a sterile setting, as I believe we've called Elite 11 before. Um, he he is basically, honestly, Dylan Gabriel, but just like better, like a legit NFL potential guy. Like the, they, I think a lot of the things that you could say that are good about Dylan Gabriel, you can say are, are pluses about jackson arnold too only probably you know the, the plus is is better you know the things like a short compact release his his footwork is generally pretty clean i think he keeps the ball high uh throughout which is you know good uh he's a pretty good athlete and so is gabriel you know that's kind of always been a thing we've said about him he's he's a guy that can scramble he's not really a, a runner per se but he can pick up some yards here or there and i think Arnold eventually will settle in as that level of player as well. Maybe a guy that can get you a couple hundred rushing yards a year, but nothing uh, too crazy there. Um, I think he does a really good job keeping his eyes downfield, even when he's under pressure. And I think he's one of the better guys at those bucket throws to the boundary where, you know, the, the receivers, you know, just running down, down the sideline, you kind of, you know, drop it over their shoulder into the, the, the bucket and they put their arms out. That's, that, that is uh, a thing that I like to see from high school from high school quarterbacks because I think that's a hard throw to – like either you can throw that throw or you can't. And I think just the, the touch and timing and everything required to do it. I think the arm strength is fairly average, but it's above the Burrow line, as I say it on this show, <laughs> whereas Gabriel is below the Burrow line, and Burrow has about the weakest arm that I would feel comfortable taking a quarterback to be a starter in the NFL if I was an NFL GM. And that's not a knock on Burrow. like He does a lot of things very, very well, but his arm strength is definitely not one of them. Uh, It's just fine. And I think Arnold's is kind of that range as well. The other thing that I noticed with him, and I think it might be because of his height, is that he doesn't really work the middle of the field very much. And we've seen that phenomenon with some other short quarterbacks as well. So you can obviously make it work. It's not a death sentence, but I we'll be paying close attention to see if he does that over the next few years at Oklahoma. Um, I suspect he'll have to at some point, but who knows? Who knows? So I think, you know, the tools are pretty good. I think he's very polished. I think he's a little bit of a souped up, maybe even like Kate Klubnick from last year. We said, you know, the high end upside I don't know that it's necessarily there, but I think he can be a really good college quarterback. And I still think he can be a first round NFL draft pick. I'm just, he's just not like a, a for fantasy purposes, like a must have kind of guy that that's, um, you know, potentially a, a game winner week in week out for a fantasy squad, but I think he'll do very well for Oklahoma. I think he's very clearly the next guy there and um, which is good. And I think that offense is great too. So, I mean, I think all these things come together uh, top, top five QB in the class for me He falls in that top tier and I could be talked into even a little bit higher than that.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with pretty much everything you said there. Um, I think he's in going to Oklahoma in Jeff Levy's system. I think he could be really good for CFF too. you know, probably uh, I mean, we saw Dylan Gabriel who was, who was pretty good for that last year, like when mm-hmm. he was actually healthy on the field. So, yeah, I think he could be a good CFF option. Uh, like you see, you, you touched on some of the concerns too. doesn't really work the middle of the field that much He's a little short, uh, doesn't necessarily have like the best tools, like in terms of arm strength and stuff. So in terms of NFL ceiling, I think I see him more of like a, a, a second round pick, maybe like an early second round pick, unless he takes some strides. Like, you know, if you, if you squint a little bit, you can see a first round pick there. So it's not out of the realm of possibility, but. Um, even if he does get a chance to start at the NFL level, like I think he's in terms of fantasy more, you know, of a Mac Jones type of a guy where it would be like a QB two perennially rather than like a fantasy stud, like you said, but yeah, there's definitely, I think an NFL future there. So I, I like Arnold, you know, he's a, he's in my top five as well. He's my fifth ranked quarterback. So I think he's good.
0: Yeah. All right, well, that's going to do it for tonight's show, guys. Make sure you're checking out everything that we have over on the Campus to Canton podcast feed. you got a show for you every day of the week, Chasing the Natty, This show Campus Life, Back to Debbie, Debbie Debate, Canton Bound, Future Freshman, and, of course, the official that comes out on the weekends. Check out the YouTube page. Got a lot of uh, videos and content coming out over there over the next couple of weeks. And, again, just uh, check out campus to cantoncom guys. Even if you're not a member, I guarantee you can find something over there that's going to be helpful to you as you work through your leagues this year. We will be back later this week with Canton Bound. Until then, guys, I am Austin.
1: And this is And Have a good one.